for the past, present, and future of all animals. This is the Zookeeper's Voice with your host, Danny Jirasi. Hello, and welcome to the Zookeeper's Voice. I'm your host, Danny. Today on the show, we have part two of our interview with Clay Carbajal of SeaWorld San Antonio. SeaWorld has been gracious enough to offer Clay back for a second interview, and this time he's answering all the questions our listeners sent in from all over the world. Let's dive right into our Q&A with Clay. Two weeks ago, we got the opportunity to hear all about Clay's personal career. And now, Clay's going to answer all the questions that you commented, tweeted, and emailed in all about SeaWorld. Thanks so much for coming again on the Zookeeper's Voice, Clay. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so good. I like this show so much. I'm coming here twice. This is fantastic. Well, we're so excited to have you again and to answer all the questions that everybody is dying to know about SeaWorld. And I want to thank everyone for writing in. This is great. I have not heard any of the questions. I'm excited to hear all the questions first time right here on air on the Zookeeper's Voice. So uh, SeaWorld San Antonio has been my home uh, since 2005. I talked about that in the, in the first uh, segment. So I'd be happy to answer any and all questions you all have out there about what it's like to be at SeaWorld or anything you've seen online about SeaWorld. Awesome. Well, without further ado, let's jump right in. Our first question comes from Paige from Oregon. And Paige wants to know, what is SeaWorld's overall mission? Well, I really appreciate that question, Paige. And uh, I love Oregon. Beautiful country. Um, SeaWorld's overall mission is to celebrate, connect, and care for our natural world and its wonders. And that's very simple. When you come to a park, when you come to a SeaWorld in Orlando, San Diego, San Antonio, you get to see marine life and animals closer than you ever usually would. And most people even live along the coastline don't get to see half of the animals living along the coastline. So SeaWorld's mission is to bring people closer to that. It's, that, it's because of that mission and because of that celebrating, connecting, and caring that we've been able to rescue over 35,000 animals. And Danny, that's no small feat. I mean, a rescue is extremely intensive. And the mission serves a purpose. It's a park with a purpose. Not a porpoise. There's no porpoises. But it's a park with a purpose, helping to restore habitats, save species through conservation, through rescue. I mean, over 500 uh, cetaceans have been rescued. Over 8,000 seals and sea lions have been rescued. Over 2,700 reptiles like sea turtles uh, have been rescued. And SeaWorld Orlando, just on their own, is one of the leaders in the entire world for manatee rescues. Wow. Our mission is to be, I know it's incredible. Our mission is to be better stewards of the environment and bring our park to the planet. And it's not easy. It's not going to be easy at all. The ocean is a very, very vast place. There's tons of pollution issues. There's a lot of mistruths about the ocean and temperatures and all these things. But our mission is to bring the education, bring the rescue, bring the conservation. And we do that when each and every guest visit our park. And, and I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, back years ago when I was a tour guide, we had a, a, a young man come on a tour. He was probably in early high school, uh, you know, freshman in high school, that age. We came on a tour, and the tour was about going behind the scenes and touching a shark. And this kid was terrified of sharks. Now, on, on, on these tours, I talk about shark conservation, how they're a keystone species, all the things that we can do to help these animals. However, this kid was still terrified. 
I talked about sharks, talked about sharks. Finally, he reluctantly touched the shark at the end of the tour. Years pass. Years later, I finally see this kid again. And but this time, I see this kid on uh, the front of the park. He comes out and his he asks to speak with me. I, of course, I go talk to whoever would like to speak with me. And his mother said, "Do you remember us?" And I said, "No, I'm I'm so sorry. I don't. I apologize." And he said, "Well, we were here a few years ago." And uh, you gave us a tour. And I'd just like you to know what my son did yesterday. And I said, what was that? And she told me he graduated Texas A&M with a marine biology bachelor's. And he's looking to pursue his master's and doctorate in marine biology with an emphasis on shark ecology and conservation. All because of the tour we came on years ago with you. And that's the power of SeaWorld. That's the, that's the best example of SeaWorld I have is bringing the, the connection to these people and inspiring them. And look what we did with one young man. Look what I was able to be a part of with one young man. A kid terrified of sharks is now going to be cruising the ocean, conserving shark species. And that, Danny, to me is just wonderful. That is so wonderful. And it's so cool when you talk about that, how the mission of SeaWorld is so big and also what seems things that are so small are just make such a big impact. One tiny act can impact an entire generation and entire lifestyle. Absolutely. And another thing, when you were talking about people coming into the park and learning, I think one thing that I took away when I worked at SeaWorld was getting to educate people and them realizing what an impact that their personal everyday decisions made on our environment that we all share. You know, Jack Hanna says it best, to teach the mind, we have to touch the heart. And I think that's what SeaWorld does. It is a park with a purpose you see it here, you save it there, and that's exactly what it's not just a slogan on a PR campaign or a marketing billboard. I'm not kidding. At SeaWorld, you see it here so we can save it there. The animals in our parks, the experiences you have, have a long-lasting impact on animals in the natural environment, whether it be through our rescue program, whether it be through grants, through our conservation fund, um, just through our research that we do. It is a park with a purpose. That is SeaWorld's mission. Again, to be a better steward of our environment. And yeah, you're right, Danny. Anyone that walks through the arches of SeaWorld San Antonio or the front gates in Orlando and San Diego, they walk through there and hopefully gain a new bit of knowledge because one small step in your everyday life can impact species across the oceans and across the continents. We'd recycle more. We reduce our usage uh, of things that are hurting our environment. Even as simple as drinking shade-grown coffee. If you love coffee, switch to shade-grown coffee, and that you can actually help the rainforest. Because people love coffee, but they usually slash and burn uh, to plant these co these coffee beans. If we use shade-grown coffee, the primary trees in the forest are protected, and uh, the animals in the forest are protected. You're still drinking coffee, but it is now shade-grown and conservation savvy. Wow, I actually didn't even know that. So you know what? You learn something new every day. So I'm going to have to make sure that wherever my coffee comes from, it's coming from shade grown. So, um, well, thank you, Paige, for that question about SeaWorld. Um, our next question is going to come from Lisa in Washington. And she wants to know, what do you think are the most misunderstood facts about SeaWorld? Well, the biggest misconceptions, well, first off, Danny, you got to remember, you can't listen or believe everything you see on social media. It's just, you can't do it. Um, if I could tell someone what I think the biggest mistruth about SeaWorld is, 
It's very simple. SeaWorld is not just a theme park with rides and shows and cotton candy. It's a park with a purpose. I just said that earlier in our mission statement. It's a park that helps promote conservation and rescue. Um, all the animals, all the staff there each and every day, the animals there are ambassadors for the animals out in the ocean. So when people come to the park or they see the park online advertise, we're not just a theme park. We're doing things that rescue organizations and conservation organizations do. We are, again, a park with a purpose. Now, a lot of people will also say, well, the shows are just for entertainment. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Yes, you are getting entertained. You are having a good time when you watch one of our killer whale presentations or a dolphin show or a sea lion show. But at the end of the day, when you go home, you're going to talk about how awesome that animal was or how fast that dolphin can swim or how amazing the rotating pelvic girdle of the sea lion was. It sparks a conversation about conservation in the car ride. It sparks a conversation about animals. That is what the power of SeaWorld's experience is. Let me just give you a little, little history lesson, Danny. It's fantastic. You're going to love this story. Okay. Yeah, you're going to love it. 1968, that was the first year that SeaWorld San Diego displayed a killer whale. But do you know what happened prior to 1968 in the United States? What happened? The killer whale was seen as a pest, as vermin. In fact, the Canadian government actually mounted a giant machine gun at the head of one of their uh, bays to shoot incoming pods of killer whales because killer whales were seen as pests taking fish away from human populations. They were also seen as bloodthirsty killers in the wild. So in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, people were terrified of them. People shot at them. Fishermen carried guns just to shoot off pods of killer whales. Killer whales were harpooned for no reason. But then 1968 rolls around. SeaWorld San Diego begins to display the killer whale. Thousands, tens of thousands of people begin to view these animals. They get to see these animals for what they truly are. Amazing, awesome, powerful animals. And over the course of the late 60s into the early 70s, the killer whale goes through a transformation, almost a rebranding. They go from one of the biggest vermin, pest, feared animals in the ocean to being one of the most beloved animals on planet Earth. And our relationship, humans and killer whales, has really grown. Into the 80s, into the 90s, people began to love them so much more and more and more. And Danny, that is the power of SeaWorld. That is the power of getting someone up close. They get to explore. They get to see these animals. They get inspired by these animals. And then they want to act on behalf of these animals. And that is, I wish, what people would learn about our park, is that it's not just for entertainment. It's for education, and it's for helping species. And the killer whale is exactly the type of story that needs to be told. Uh, these animals are not pests. They're not vermin. And now the world knows it. In 2019, if you ask someone where their top three favorite ocean animals are, I would say the majority of people would have the killer whale in their top three. In the 40s, that animal would not even be approached as a favorite sea creature. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and that's something that, you know, SeaWorld, zoos, aquariums, you can't, not everybody has the ability to jump on a boat and go see whale watching tours. And even if you do that, you're not even guaranteed to get to, you know, see them. So, and, and on that note, you know, I'm in the middle of South Texas. The first time I saw a killer whale was at SeaWorld. It took me another 
28 years before I actually saw one in the natural environment. And it took me 28 years and a ton of boat rides to actually find a pod of killer whale right. uh, off the Pacific Northwest. And on that note, yes, I do think it's important to experience animals in the natural environment. But also, the animals in the natural environment are living out there to support themselves. And the more we increase these boat traffic, and studies will show you that the Pacific Northwest killer whales, um, J-pod, K-pod, uh, L-pod, these animals are actually being impacted extremely heavily by an increased boat traffic. Increased boat traffic means increased boat noise and activity, which means increased stressors to their hunting. So their pods don't stay as close together. The fish scatter more, the pods scatter more, and they don't get as many opportunities to feed. And it is one of the factors that is causing the decline of the Pacific Northwest population of resident killer whales, who in fact, Danny, this past week, their pod number, get this, resident killer whales, there's only 73 of these animals, and their numbers shrank down to 70 within the last week, with three animals being uh, called deceased. That's crazy. That's and so a lot sad. of that has to do, yeah, a lot of that has to do with pollution, increased boat traffic, and just how we affect underwater noise in the natural environment. And of course, the main thing is these animals are picky eaters. They love eating Chinook salmon. Chinook salmon are an endangered species, which today, uh, in, in the politics world, the Endangered Species Act and their protections were rolled back. So that means that Chinook salmon that was getting some protections is now going to be open to economic resourcing of its environment, whether that be drilling or uh, maybe fracking along the coastline, which is going to hurt that Chinook salmon species even more, which then hurts the now endangered Pacific Northwest killer whale. So all these things are happening in our everyday life. And I don't know if people understand how much SeaWorld is involved to try to get these issues in front of Congress and in front of the president and in front of the Senate uh, with their research and with their data and how many organizations SeaWorld partners with to conserve species of all walks, swims, flies of life. Definitely. Now, 70 is a very scary number. And one thing that that makes me think of is, you know, are they going to be able to come back from this? Like, it will someday SeaWorld be the only place that will be able to see killer whales? I'm going to be honest, Danny. I got three little kids, you know, and, and I ask myself that a lot. I ask myself that with many species, right. whether, it be, um, whether it be African wild dogs who are about you know, 4,000 out of 5,000 animals living on the continent of Africa. I ask that about the Pacific Northwest killer whales, too. And I'm in a harsh reality in the future. If we don't change our ways, some of the species that you love, polar bears, uh, black rhino, some of these species that we've been talking about conservation for decades, they will be gone if we don't slow down. Right. And the only place you're going to see them are zoos and aquariums. And for killer whales, that means the only place you're going to see them is a SeaWorld park. So, yeah, I do believe that. Um, however, with the things we've learned about killer whale reproduction in the decades uh, that SeaWorld has been open, we could help these Pacific Northwest killer whales. We could help their reproductive state. We could, we could help with their regula regulations. We could reduce that sound pollution. We can get the Chinook salmon more protection. We can do all the things to help the animals, but ultimately it's going to be up to the local people there to support it, and it's going to be up to the animals to recover um, because we can't go in there and, uh, and do it without everyone's help. This can't just be a one-sided effort, and I think there's a lot of vested interest in protecting the Pacific Northwest killer whales who are basically the most studied orca on the planet. Uh, and, but this is happening worldwide with many species, but they are a paramount species as far as captivating the public's attention on the issue. 
Uh, and unfortunately, there are other species that have done that. The vaquita, who Leonardo DiCaprio and a few others just made a documentary about, was at Sundance. The vaquita is probably going to be extinct within this year or next year. That's scary. And it's happening right now. It's happening before our eyes. Organizations are trying, but without everyone's hands, without everyone's buy-in, it's going to be too little too late. Yeah, the time is absolutely now. And, you know, it seems like such a big undertaking, but, you know, we can't wait any longer. That's such a scary reality. And that's the mission right there. We talked about that first question from Paige from Oregon. That's the mission is to help educate people on these uh, issues, to help educate people on the reality of some of their favorite species. And if we can bring in someone that's never been to a SeaWorld from El Paso, Texas, that's never, ever seen uh, a killer whale or a dolphin before, and we can tell them certain steps they can make at home to help the ocean and, and its health, and they do it, that's one new opportunity for an animal's recovery. Because it's not just killer whales that are endangered. It's sharks, it's fish, it's pinnipeds, it's seabirds, it's sea turtles, it's all of them. So our mission is to help inspire people to care for these animals. Awesome. Inspire them. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lisa, for that question. We're going to keep moving on to the UK. We have a question from the UK from Brian. And Brian wants to know, how many SeaWorlds are there in the United States? And are there any more plans to open any worldwide? Ooh, I like, nice question, uh, Brian. Uh, well, if you fly over, cross the pond, as they would say, to the United States, you can visit SeaWorld in San Diego that opened in 1974. You can visit SeaWorld of Orlando in Florida that opened in the 1970s. Or you can come down to my home park, my base camp, my uh, place to hang my hat every day. And that's SeaWorld San Antonio, which opened in 1988. Uh, however, there is some plans coming down the pipe, and you can read all about it. It was announced by uh, SeaWorld uh, a few years ago to develop a park in Abu Dhabi. So keep reading the, uh, keep reading the SeaWorld.com uh, page for updates on that uh, to see when SeaWorld Abu Dhabi in the Middle East will open. But I think that opening a park over there is going to be fantastic for that side of the world. There is the whole new section of species and conservation issues and rescue issues that we have yet to tackle. And uh, the people over there have yet to see this kind of thing. So it's going to be a really unique opportunity. I'm excited to, um, to see it all happen from, from right here on the SeaWorld San Antonio side. But it's going to be really, really awesome to see the impact it has for the communities in the Middle East and has for the rescue and conservation of that part of the world. So hopefully my friends in the U.K., uh, when that park does open, which I don't have an official open date. I don't know uh, that information. But as soon as that park opens, I hope our friends in the UK also go down there and visit. I'm sure there might be a shorter flight. Do you think? I don't know. I really don't know the flight time. I'm, I'm not sure. But I think every SeaWorld park is worth visiting because they all have their own feel and charm and different, you know, opportunities in them. So visit all the SeaWorld parks, Brian. So... We're going to keep on moving to the next question. And this question is from Massachusetts. We have Talia. And Talia has a question about uh, the killer whale tanks. Talia says, I see stuff on social media about how the parking lots are bigger than the whale tanks at SeaWorld and how people want to ban SeaWorld because of it. I personally do research and see what zoos and aquariums are the safest place and that the animals have the longest lifespan. 
Could you guys address the concerns of people about the sizes of the whale tanks? And I just want somebody's opinion that works there and sees everything firsthand. Oh, thanks for that question, Talia. And uh, I know exactly uh, the photo you're talking about. I've seen it kind of come through my news feed from time to time. What I have to say to that photo is that the pools at SeaWorld Parks are, are regulated through the federal government. All the specs on the size of the habitat or the capacity of the habitats, those are all set to us uh, by the federal government and their regulation, uh, regulations. Scientists, researchers, data goes into those decisions. And then SeaWorld takes that data and they take it up a few notches and they create habitats that are not only larger than the specified uh, uh, habitat range, but also mentally enriching, stimulating with uh, water jets and bubble, uh, bubble guns that kind of come out of the bottom so the animals can play in the bubbles, uh, with shade for the animals. There are tons of things that go into building a habitat. Now, just at SeaWorld San Antonio alone, the killer whale facility is four and a half million gallons of man-made saltwater. Tell you, four and a half million gallons. If I had a dollar for every gallon, holy smokes. It's also 40 feet deep and about 52 degrees and that temperature of that pool is maintained year round through chillers through our animal life support team that make sure that the pools the animals live in are as healthy as the veterinarians keep make sure the animals stay at so the pool's health is also very important to our animal life support team now imagine uh, all the work that goes into maintaining four and a half million gallons um but you're right i i have I've seen that picture uh, go through social media. I don't agree with it. I personally believe the habitats are stimulating, enriching, and the animals have all of their needs met within those habitats. They have uh, food. They're safe from uh, predation. They're safe from boat strikes. They're safe from pollution. Uh, They have a training team and a veterinary team that absolutely love and care for them. Uh, And it does take a lot to maintain these pools, these facilities at all the SeaWorld parks, whether it be a sea turtle facility or a sea turtle habitat or the larger habitats for marine mammals like killer whales. And my hat is off to the animal life support team and uh, my hat is off to the veterinary team that ensure those animals are healthy and thriving. And my hat is off to the animal training team and animal husbandry team that make sure those habitats stay just as clean for the animals uh, so they have a nice environment to live in. Uh, Danny, have you seen that picture? Yeah, I've seen that photo before, and I always shake my head at it because I can't even imagine where that came from. But I think that's awesome, the way that you answered Talia's question. Um, Just to kind of bounce off of what she said, could you also tell us a little bit more about how the killer whales and other marine mammals' needs are met? Yes, I definitely can. So on a daily basis, our animal training team looks at uh, the animal's day. I mean, every animal has some key things they're going to do every day. Participate in husbandry behaviors. Um, These are behaviors that help us to better care for them, and that helps to fit their needs. For instance, um, if uh, we want to do a body check, we'll ask the animal to line up, check over the animal's body. This helps us maintain their health. We can do a mouth exam. Uh, For a whale or a dolphin, that's extremely important because for like a killer whale, they have no, no enamel on their teeth. So their teeth wear out extremely fast. Now, for a wild killer whale, that means uh, sudden death uh, because they don't have any ability to catch their food. But for our animals, since they're living much longer, healthier lives, we can clean their teeth twice a day. We can check their teeth health, to- tooth health and just by opening their mouth and looking in there. So husbandry behaviors are key. 
to their daily care. Another big thing is exercise. I got to hit the gym. You got to hit the gym. We all got to walk around here and not sit uh, and, and stay active. So doing high energy behaviors, whether it be fast swimming or jumping in the middle of the pool, whatever the case may be, these behaviors help to maintain the animal's physique, uh, help to get their blood pumping, get their muscles uh, moving. Um, and these behaviors are done in shows. You'll see them in shows, but you'll also see them done just on, on a random session. Hey, I'm doing an exercise. I'm going to send these dolphins on a fast swim and the animals swim as fast as they can. Like you're hitting the treadmill, get their blood pumping, get moving. That's another way we help to maintain the animal's well-being. Uh, another big thing is just to have a good relationship with us because the better relationship they have with us, um, the better these animals' uh, training and time at our park will be because we can read them better. And I'm not saying relationships so that we can be friends uh, or have a way of secret communicating. That's unrealistic. I'm talking about relationship in a sense where I know what the animal, uh, how it looks today. I have a gut feeling on how we need to pursue this next behavior or what the animal's looking like it's doing today. We also can read into when an animal may be sick. Um, for instance, I work with a southern ground hornbill named Newman. And Newman one day, just he just I asked him to come up to my arm, and it literally took a second longer than normal. That's all, which prompted me to call the vet. The vet did some blood work and found out that Newman was actually fighting uh, a little bit of an infection he got from an airborne infection. We can get those, seasonal things, uh, and was able to treat him. All that from just a second delay of coming to my arm. That is the power of a relationship. And lastly, one of the big things we do with the animals is give them toys, give them mental enrichment, give them stimulation, uh, whether it be water jets for them to play with on their back or uh, penguins looking at lights through the glass, which we just recently did, kind of fun, uh, like siren lights for them to stare at. Uh, we have a penguin, uh, a rock hopper penguin, who absolutely loves bubble guns. So when you shoot bubbles at him, uh, he likes to pop them, run back and pop back and forth. These are mental stimulators. Uh, the whales, the dolphins have the big buoy balls. They've got big flat discs. They can also be food-related with frozen jello, ice, frozen fish, um, even whipped cream, which is approved by a veterinary staff. And you can spray whipped cream uh, right in the animal's mouth. They can play with it on their tongue. It's mentally enriching and stimulating. And then outside of all of that, our job every day is to just make sure the animal's day is awesome. I think I said that two weeks ago. If you walk in and know you've done the absolute best you can, and tomorrow you do a little better, you make sure the animal's having a great time. That is what goes into maintaining the animal's welfare. Now, we do have veterinarians on staff that check the animals multiple times a day. We've got a full lab staff that helps to ensure that the animals um, are healthy and thriving. We've got a talented group of animal life support folks to make sure the pools are as healthy as the animals. So, so much goes into the thought of caring for these creatures that it is unbelievable. Absolutely. I used to say when I worked there that the animals were better taken care of than I took care of myself sometimes. So they had round-the-clock care, restaurant-quality food, vet and doctors on staff ready for them at any time. I don't even have a doctor on staff to take care of me at any time. So they are taken care of so well. Those were great answers to Talia's question. So we're going to keep on rolling from the questions from our listeners. The next question we have is Paul from Alabama, and he wants to know, most people know that SeaWorld has killer whales. What other animals do they have? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, sea, the SeaWorld parks have collectively one of the largest, one of the absolute largest collections of animals on planet Earth collectively. And that goes for our Bush Gardens parks and our SeaWorld parks alike. 
So every day, a SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment ambassador uh, step up, zoological ambassadors step up to over 85,000 animals uh, around the country, around the United States. And that's everything from elephants and, and tigers and gorillas at Bush Gardens, killer whales, dolphins and manatees or sea turtles at SeaWorld. Uh, but just at SeaWorld San Antonio alone, outside of the paramount species like the killer whale, the sea lion, the penguin, um, we have other species people don't know about very well, like the beluga whale or the Pacific white-sided dolphin or the nurse shark or the white-spotted bamboo shark or the hundreds of different kinds of fish or the four different kinds of penguins, the two different species of puffins, the mirrors we have, the American alligators, the turtles, the alligator snapping turtles, the red rough lemurs, I mean the black and white rough lemurs, the bald eagles, the barred owl, um, wallabies, opossums, um, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of species. And each of the animals comes to us uh, from either an accredited zoo or as a result of a breeding program or as a result of as a rescue. So it really is uh, an amazing company to be a part of simply because within our company, the expertise you have stretches across all kind of walks, swims, or flies of life. For instance, SeaWorld Parks, um, they have over not half of the penguins on planet Earth. They have over half of the species represented at a SeaWorld Park. Only one place in the United States you can see an emperor penguin, and that's at SeaWorld San Diego. That's incredible stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the cool stuff about SeaWorld is all the animals that, uh, that you, you see. But even cooler sometimes is the animals you don't see, a rescue that may come in. Uh, for instance, years ago at SeaWorld San Antonio, we had a rescued manatee show up in Houston, Texas uh, named Trinidad and uh, brought him to the park for rehabilitation. He got through the winter and then deemed releasable, flew him to Florida, to Tampa, Florida, where he was found before and tracked before and released. But the park guests at SeaWorld San Antonio that entire winter had no idea there was even a manatee behind the scenes. Because it's not about publicizing and, and putting a press release out on every little thing we do. Uh, it's important about just doing it and being good stewards for the environment. Absolutely. It is all about the animals. All right. So our next question comes from Cassie in Massachusetts. And Cassie wants to know, is it true that someday SeaWorld will not have killer whales anymore? That is a wicked good question, Cassie, in Massachusetts. <laughs> See what I did there for Massachusetts? I did. I did. Well, but honestly, Cassie, quite a few years ago, um, we did announce the end of our killer whale breeding program. And there will be a day uh, that this last generation of killer whales no longer uh, exists at a SeaWorld park. And there's some things to think about. Uh, killer whales have an average lifespan for a female of about 60 years. And in many of our parks, we do have animals well under 10 years of age. So that's, we have quite a few decades to go uh, before the last uh, killer whale exists at a SeaWorld park. But outside of the sadness of that day, of the, the last killer whale in our care, we have to look about all the good that our killer whale breeding program has done over the years. I mean, we talked about it earlier, the, the misconceptions people had about killer whales in the 1940s, 50s, and even the early 60s. When SeaWorld and other aquariums started displaying these animals, we started learning more and more about these animals, their ecology, how they move, how they vocalize, how they socialize, and we learned a lot about the reproductive history. 
When the last killer whale is gone from SeaWorld, we can reflect back at decades and decades and decades and decades of research that is invaluable to the success and the conservation of the species out in the natural environment. I know I've touched on the Pacific Northwest uh, killer whale, resident killer whales, J, K, and L pod. Uh, and like I said earlier, just a few days ago, just a few days ago, that pod number officially shrank from 73 to 70 animals. There could come a day, Cassie, where the Pacific Northwest residents aren't in the Pacific Northwest anymore. They're extinct. However, with places like SeaWorld and other research facilities and other aquariums, the things we've learned could be used and applied on animals in the natural environment. Uh, reproductive uh, help. We could help to protect certain things that we've learned about their ecology or how they learn to move or forage. So yes, we are currently looking at the last generation of killer whales at a SeaWorld. However, we have decades and decades and decades of data that we can celebrate and apply to conserve their wild counterparts and cousins. And I know that SeaWorld will be dedicated for many, many decades and decades past the last killer whale at SeaWorld. They will still be dedicated to conserving the species, Orsinus orca, killer whales all over the globe, not only off the coasts of the United States, but off the coast of New Zealand, Antarctica, and the Arctic Circle, along with tens of thousands of other species. So yes, Cassie, we will, there will be a day where there are no more killer whales at SeaWorld, but the work that we're doing to preserve killer whales in the natural environment, that will go on for as long as SeaWorld has a heartbeat. Wonderful. Now to kind of Piggyback off of Cassie's question, we also had a question from Philip in Texas, and he wanted to know, killer whales have been the focus of SeaWorld for a long time. Is there a plan once the whales eventually live out their lives in SeaWorld? Well, Philip, that's, a, that's an excellent question. You're right. You know, SeaWorld's kind of been known for its killer whale pods for many, many decades. Uh, however, there are so many other species that we've talked about over the years uh, including manatees in Florida. I mean, a manatee in the 90s actually got a visit from President Herbert Walker Bush, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. So there have been all kinds of animals we have highlighted over the years, but the, or the killer whales have definitely set SeaWorld apart from any other marine park or aquarium uh, in the United States. Um, going forward, after the last generation uh, of the whales we have in our parks um, is gone, SeaWorld will continue to rescue it will continue to still have its conservation. It will continue to educate people on many different species, from our oceans to our land to our skies. So the plan is to keep going. Again, like I've said many times, we are a park with a purpose. And killer whales might be the icon species that help to bring people to our park so we can get our message across to the tens of thousands of guests each and every day. But there are many other animal stories, many other stories of rescue and conservation uh, that we can continue to talk about. And SeaWorld uh, definitely will. Wonderful. Now, I know you touched about um, the animals and where they came from earlier, but Emily from Massachusetts wanted to know, where do the animals at SeaWorld come from? Uh, the vast, 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 vast majority were born in the care of man at a zoological facility, accredited zoological facility. Uh, however, we do have some animals that are deemed non-releasable, through our rescue program. Now, big misconception is if we rescue four dolphins, I can't go, oh, daddy, I like the one on the right. Can I keep it? That's not <laughs> how it works. The federal government has criteria 
that deems the animal releasable or non-releasable. We do not get to make that determination as SeaWorld. The federal government, they make that determination. And when an animal is deemed non-releasable, it doesn't automatically mean it's going to live at SeaWorld, the place that rescued it. The federal government can very easily say, all right, that dolphin was rescued by SeaWorld Orlando, and it is now going to live in Chicago at the Brookfield Zoo. Because they look at the population as a whole. They look at marine mammals as a whole and not just a uh, collection uh, at one park. So that's a big misconception uh, that we have uh, about the animals out there. I love that question from Emily because I do think that is a common misconception that the animals, you know, that where did they come from? Did we take them all from their natural environment? But like you said, that is far, far, far from anything that actually happened. So I love that we got that question. So thank you That's to Emily. Right. Yeah, good job, Emily. And one, one more thing about the rescue. The goal of the rescue program is 100% to release. That needs to be very clear. When a rescue happens, the goal is to get the animal back out. And the quicker we get the ba- animal back out, the better. Now, there are some situations where the animal's too injured or too sick and they need require a long-term uh, uh, rehabilitation. But if the goal is still to get the animal out there there are protocols to be met uh, ways to treat the animal before we can get them back out in the natural environment however there are very few instances there are instances that are small in frequency of animals being deemed non-releasable after rescue and at that point again we go into the process i just talked about with the federal government so i just wanted to make that clear that the goal is to release the animals as soon as a rescue occurs I think that's really important for people to understand that not every animal that's rescued ends up staying in the care of man. Let's see what our next question is. All right. Our next question comes from Florida. And Amanda in Florida gave us a very good question that I'm actually going to break up into two pieces. So it sounds like Amanda is a very big advocate for SeaWorld and places like SeaWorld. And she wants to know, what advice do you have for advocates of zoos and aquariums who speak to those who are insistent that animals are performers or imply that they might be being abused? Well, Amanda, that's a great question. And thanks for being such a big advocate uh, for zoos and aquariums and places like SeaWorld. And I know there are conversations that happen uh, between your friends and your family and through conversations on social media about whether to support zoos, aquariums and SeaWorld, uh, whether the, the way the animals are treated is ethical or unethical. But I got to tell you, Amanda, all my years of experience, um, I've seen it firsthand. These animals are cared for better than I'm cared for uh, with my own doctor at home. Our veterinarians check on these animals every day. The trainers give them all the love in the world. And uh, when folks say that they think these animals are mistreated, that couldn't be further from the truth. However, I know you're going to find yourself in a conversation with someone who maybe doesn't accept that doesn't accept the experiences you've seen or the things you've seen at your local zoo aquarium or even SeaWorld Park. Uh, And that's okay. It's okay if someone disagrees with you. Um, That can be their opinion. But all you can do to convince them is really just tell them all the amazing things that the animals get to experience each and every day and all the amazing things you as a guest have experienced when you visited these parks. Um, Whether it be seeing a dolphin up close for the first time or witnessing our manatee rescue centers, or whatever the case may be, whatever inspired you at your zoo, whatever experience inspires you to be such a great supporter of zoos, aquariums, and SeaWorld, marine parks, tell those people these stories. 
And they're probably going to question you on some of your facts. They're probably going to question you on some of your experiences. But you know what? That's okay, Amanda. Your experiences, your opinion, that's what should matter. And if they don't agree with you or if they do agree with you, that kind of really doesn't matter in the whole thing. Honestly, if you feel comfortable, if you have a 100% passion for what you're supporting, that passion is going to come through when you speak to someone who maybe has some misideas. Maybe they read in a little too much on Twitter or they've seen something uh, come up online and they're believing a little too much down the road. It's okay. Just tell them all the positive experiences you've seen. Tell them all the amazing stories of rescue and conservation that you've witnessed. And someone somewhere will give you the time. They'll listen to you. And they might even give it, take you up on a tour. I always tell people that uh, maybe question uh, a SeaWorld Park or even people that I went to high school with or college with and they question where I work. I invite them. Come with me. Let me take you on a tour. See the park through my eyes. See and experience SeaWorld through my eyes. Let me tell you all the stories. Let me tell you all the facts right here. And that seems to be a good tool for me. But for you, it could be just inviting them out to take a walk with you at your local zoo and tell them that these animals are cared for better than most people are cared for. And that's the fact. Well, the second part of Amanda's question is, how do you convince a person that places like SeaWorld are beneficial to the well-being of all animals in the park and important for conservation? Well, the people that argue that a SeaWorld park is not important for conservation or rescue, um, there's no winning that argument with them because they've already made up their mind. The proof is in the data and the proof is in the historical pudding. Um, over 35,000 animals have been rescued thanks to a SeaWorld park. That's a given. That's a number we have. Uh, over $18 million has been donated to conservation projects in over 80 different countries around the planet. And over 800 different projects have benefited from the SeaWorld Bush Gardens Conservation Fund. So you can't tell me we're not out there helping uh, conservation initiatives all over the globe. So when you're having a conversation with someone and you're trying to convince them of all the good SeaWorld does, sometimes you have to understand that it's okay for people to have their own opinions about stuff. I could go blue in the face discussing all the good that we've done, all the good that I've seen personally, uh, all the good that I've actually been a part of. And if someone doesn't agree with me, I can't change their mind about it. About it. Um, however, I would just refer them to the hard data. Show them the rescue videos. Show them the conservation fund updates. Show them all the things that SeaWorld has done in the over five decades it has operated. And the rescue and conservation is not something that started in 2010 or 2011. The conservation and the rescue has been happening since the 60s and the 70s. These are things that we've been dedicated to for a very long time. The advent of social media and different platforms of digital media have allowed SeaWorld to share their story uh, on a, a more immediate basis. Um, but that doesn't mean in the 80s and the 70s and the 90s they weren't happening. They were happening. This rescue and conservation is not new. It is just now easily broadcast through social media channels and different platforms. You don't have to learn about it by going on a behind-the-scenes tour anymore. You can learn about it by tuning on to Hulu and watching Sea Rescue. Absolutely. And I would uh, say that, I don't know what you think, Clay, but one thing that I think is good for people is to go to the parks. Go see it for yourself. Like you said, most likely this person has never been to one of 
either SeaWorld parks or any zoos and aquariums. They're just going off of maybe what somebody posted on social media, which, as we talked about earlier, is mostly not true. <laughs> without the shows, without the rides, without SeaWorld the way it is, the rescue organization would not have an engine uh, to be able to function. Uh, nonprofits in many parts of the United States rely on funding from SeaWorld parks to operate. Nonprofits that are not SeaWorld, nonprofits that are just trying to exist and help animals rely on the money coming from SeaWorld to operate, to buy medical supplies, to help pay for staff, to buy gas for their boat, to buy trucks, uh, all these things to help rescue animals and conserve animals. And that's not just the United States either. I've seen SeaWorld and Bush Gardens money used in Zimbabwe, in South Africa. I've, I've seen stories of this money being used positively in Panama, throughout South America, throughout different parts of the world. So when you're convincing someone about the good that SeaWorld does, the proof is in the results. And it's hard for me to talk about those results. I wish when someone had doubts about SeaWorld, I could give them my brain for a few 30 seconds or so so they could see all the amazing things I've seen and done. And they'll be like, wow, that is, a, that is an amazing place that does a lot of stuff. It doesn't have to as a theme park. It does stuff because it's the right thing to do. I think that all the good that SeaWorld does is really undeniable when you understand what's actually happening. So we're going to keep on moving to our next question. Our next question comes from Terry from Texas. And Terry wants to know, what can we expect for the Halloween season? And are there any other exciting seasonal plans? Ooh, Halloween. You can spare to get your pants scared off of you, Terry. Uh, <laughs> Hollow Scream takes place at Bush Gardens in Virginia, Bush Gardens in Tampa, Florida, and SeaWorld San Antonio. Um, so what you can expect is the fear is everywhere. The scare is everywhere. Uh, Terry, I'm not giving away spoilers for 2019, all right? I'm not going to give you uh, any way to swear it, but you can expect some new stuff, some returning favorites. And as far as seasonal activities at our parks go, uh, we've really learned that uh, park goers really love these seasonal activities, whether it be Beer Fest or Inside Look or Seven Seas Food Festival or uh, Electric Ocean or Hollow Scream uh, or Spook Cap uh, Spooktacular or a Christmas celebration. So these seasonal events uh, will continue and always stay up to date with SeaWorld uh, on social media to see what events are coming down uh, your way. But here in San Antonio, uh, we currently have Inside Look kicking off. Uh, August 17th right here and inside look Danny for your listeners who are not aware that is where SeaWorld basically rolls back the the curtain and we give access to our behind the scenes areas we give access to our animal areas we give access to our animal staff in unprecedented ways and let the people see for themselves really get an inside look of what it's like to care for the animals every day then we have other things for folks that just want to have uh, some time to walk around so we've got beer fest coming up uh, we've got hollow scream we've got Christmas celebration with Rudolph and friends um, there's a lot of stuff happening at SeaWorld San Antonio. And then 2020, well, that's a whole nother beast of itself. And uh, I can't really talk about 2020 yet, but it will be quite a year for SeaWorld parks all across the United States. I'm really excited for next year. Awesome. I personally love all the events that happen at SeaWorld. And the last time um, Bill came to Texas, we actually went down to the Seven Seas Food Festival, I believe it's called. And it So many pounds was on my body awesome. have been gained. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the food was so good. Every, so good. Everything was amazing. So, um, And that was something I got to experience for the first time and walk around and try everything. So, 
you never know what kind of awesome things SeaWorld is going to offer. And that's not to say a new event won't pop up or uh, maybe change in a way. So I can't stress to your followers enough who really want to learn that, Terry especially, uh, follow SeaWorld uh, San Antonio and Orlando and San Diego on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. And you know, keep kind of in touch with all the events happening uh, at our SeaWorld parks. And that also goes for folks in Tampa and Virginia, for Busch Gardens uh, Tampa and Busch Gardens uh, Williamsburg because they also have some uh, amazing events, and they are in the SeaWorld family. And we can't forget our friends in Pennsylvania at Sesame Place. Uh, so a lot of great parks around the nation uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, and a lot of great parks around the nation like Sesame Place in Pennsylvania for you to enjoy, a lot of great events for you to enjoy, and a lot of new, 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 new coming your way, and I am stoked. Well, going off of Terry's question, we have a question from Hideo from Japan. Whoa. <laughs> Japan. All the way over there? We are international. Yeah. <laughs> Domar Arigato, Hideo. <laughs> well, Hideo wants to know, what kind of programs does SeaWorld offer? Uh, well, when it comes to educational programs, SeaWorld offers a wide variety of animal experiences, whether those animal experiences be a killer whale tour, where you go uh, on a tour of the facility, get up close with the whales, learn about their care, a shark tour where you go behind the scenes in our shark area, meet a shark, touch a shark, interact with a shark, um, a sea lion tour, a beluga tour. Uh, there's swim programs. In San Antonio, we have sea lion swims, beluga swims, dolphin swims. There's even a penguin interaction, Danny, where you can put on a pair of boots and a, a, a set of overalls and get on the ice with over 200 penguins. Get up to close uh, with these animals, nose to bill with these fantastic creatures, feathered friends. A penguin um, interaction? Yeah. <laughs> We actually had Penguin a, a nose to bill. I did that. It <laughs> a was bill to awesome. bill? <laughs> uh, you, so bill to bill to penguin. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's a fantastic program. But then there's other things, uh, programs people can take advantage of. One of my favorites to talk about is our camp programs at our SeaWorld Parks, where you can do a day camp with your little kid, or you can spend the week at SeaWorld San Antonio in a dorm on a resident camp uh, and really learn what it's like to work there. Uh, and be a part of the animal care team. So there are many, many options for folks out there that want to uh, to experience the parks. There's also other things like Quick Queue, where you can get front-of-the-line access um, to rides. There's all-day dining deals. There's Dine with our Orca uh, program, where you can go backstage and eat with, the, eat with the trainers and watch the killer whales and watch a session. So plenty of great programs. Go to SeaWorld.com, click on the Experiences tab, click on the Upgrades tab. Uh, and really explore, and there's something out there for everyone. So, Ateo, I can't wait for you to travel here from Japan. Uh, come to Texas. It's great. Uh, and you'll have a, a great time with all the animal experiences, but not to be biased. you got to do the Dolphin Swim Program. And uh, one of the best places in the entire nation to do the Dolphin Swim Program, I have to concede to our sister park at Discovery Cove in Florida. They are fantastic, and you can do an amazing experience down there at Discovery Cove in Orlando, which is right across the street. Or SeaWorld, Orlando. I honestly consider myself just super blessed because after being able to work at SeaWorld for almost a decade, I got to experience so many of the different programs. And I personally have to say that you cannot go wrong no matter what you do. You cannot go wrong. Whatever you feel like you'd like to experience, you can't go wrong trying it. Thank exactly. You. Well, thank you, Hideo, for that question. Um, the next question we have, we've talked about a little Sayonara, bit. Sayonara, Hideo. <laughs> Sayonara, Hideo. Well, 
Eddie from Illinois wants to know, does SeaWorld really rescue animals? And how often do they do that? We are on call 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Yes, we really do it. I have seen it. I have done it. It really happens. And it's species uh, of all walks of life. It could be a bald eagle who's got an injured wing. It could be a dolphin who's been entangled in a net. It could be a manatee who's been struck by a boat. It is happening every day. Now, the frequency of which it happens uh, may not – we could go through a few days of not having a call. Uh, we could also go through a, a few days of just focusing on rehab animals before we get a new call to our rescue team. However, that doesn't mean the rescue team is sleeping on anything. In fact, the SeaWorld San Antonio rescue team just recently, I think they're still there, uh, have traveled to Galveston, Texas, to assist the Texas Marine Mammal Strain Network on a dolphin that just re- uh, stranded at a sea life uh, or sea rim park uh, on the Texas Gulf Coast. And that happened right now. So there's, a, there's days where we don't have a call, which I'm sure that's, that's a great day to catch up on some stuff at the park. Uh, but there's days where when it rains, it pours and you have multiple calls. Uh, but I will assure you, rescues are happening. Uh, most of the time they result in release or instant care of the animal. And in a few, a few rare cases, these uh, rescues do result in an animal being deemed unreleasable. But there's also a harsh reality to the rescue program. And the harsh reality is sometimes, you know, there's calls for dolphins or other animals and, and they're, they're really, really far gone. And even through all the rehabilitation that our rescue team gives, uh, they still end up passing away in the process. And that's the hard part. And that's something that I really respect our rescue team for. The emotions they have to give each rescue is unbelievable because they have to hope for the best, put all their hard work into it, 24-hour watches, every bit of blood, sweat, and tears they can. And sometimes the result is not what they hoped for. Um, but that's the reality of wildlife rescues. Um, and then there are other instances where the animal doesn't require a whole lot of care. For instance, there was a, a dolphin near South Padre Island uh, named Tango. And Tango had been stealing fish off of people's uh, fishing hooks for weeks on end and was becoming entangled in the fishing line. So SeaWorld San Antonio was called, and uh, Tango eluded the SeaWorld San Antonio rescue team. So SeaWorld Orlando drove down to, C- to South Padre Island, Texas. Got, uh, we got an assist, so SeaWorld San Antonio, SeaWorld Orlando tag-teamed, were able to get uh, this dolphin and uh, do an analysis on the animal, start removing the line. And Danny, let me tell you something. I've never seen a dolphin with this much fishing line on its body. Over five pounds of microfilament fishing line. Fishing wow. line doesn't weigh anything. He had five pounds of it on his body. And he had about 30 fish hooks embedded into his back. Oh, my gosh. He looked like an X-Men. Uh, what was cool about it was the two rescue teams united with great veterinary staff and the local rescue organizations down there. They removed all the hooks. They removed all the line. They healed his wounds. They, put, they gave him antibiotics and sent Tango on his way. But that rescue was two-part because not only was it about rescuing the animal, but it was also about making sure the fishermen – pull their lines when they see this dolphin coming. Uh, So it became an educational uh, moment, too, for the fishermen down there. And happy to report the fishermen heeded the warnings of the SeaWorld rescue team, stopped keeping their line in the water when they saw this dolphin coming. Uh, Eventually, he swam off. He tried to swim north to a different fishing uh, hot spot. We warned those fishermen as well. And uh, he was not able to get fish from them either. So luckily, monitoring this animal, Tango, 
We've now noticed him foraging naturally again, not relying on fishermen's uh, hooks, and he has not been entangled since the rescue. And that's the goal of the rescue, to release immediately. I love that story. Now, before we move on to our next question, can you tell us again, what's the number that SeaWorld has rescued that is continually growing? Continually growing. We're over 35,000 animals uh, currently. And again, that number uh, is comprised of many different species, uh, over 700 manatees, uh, over 22,000 birds, including penguins in South Africa that were covered in oil and SeaWorld agriculturists went over to help, uh, over 8,000 pinnipeds, which are seals and sea lions, uh, an un, uh, unusual mortality event, um, which means that there is a strange number of illness or death among a species occurred on the California coastline uh, in 2015, I believe. And the SeaWorld San Diego rescue team was so overwhelmed with sea lions. In fact, every organization on the West Coast was overwhelmed with sea lions to the point where Orlando and San Antonio rescue teams flew out to San Diego just to assist. There was that many sea lions in need of care. They were starving to death. They were emaciated. They were sick. Um, but now our count in 2019, over 8,000 uh, pinnipeds. And for dolphins and whales, uh, just over 500 rescues have been uh, done throughout the years. And then, of course, our uh, sea turtle count is uh, over 2,700 sea turtles and other marine reptiles. So very, very excited. But I got to put my take my hat off to the Seaward Orlando team for all their manatee rescue. And uh, it can be said, and many have said it, without SeaWorld Orlando and the SeaWorld uh, rescue team, the manatee would probably be extinct today. Uh, the amount of uh, time and effort they put into educating the public, the amount of time and effort they put into rescuing, rehabilitating, and releasing manatees, most likely, and was a very big factor in keeping the uh, manatee off the extinction list. That and the signing of the Endangered Species Act in 1973, which helped to protect manatees. So you've got to take your hat off to the SeaWorld Orlando team. They are the nation's number one manatee rescue organization, and they do such amazing work. And manatees are not easy to care for. They are very big animals. They are very messy animals, and they eat lettuce, and it gets everywhere. And uh, they, they take a lot of love. And I'm so proud of that team for all they do for the manatees, just like I am for every rescue team and all the SeaWorlds. And it goes for Bush Gardens as well. Bush Gardens does amazing work with, uh, with uh, birds of prey and mammals and things of that nature. So very excited that our rescue team is kind of working on all fronts. So yes, Eddie from Illinois, SeaWorld really does rescue animals. It is real. It's amazing, Eddie. It's not just a tagline. It's real. It's happening. It is real and it is happening. So we got two more questions for you, Clay. The first one is Jack from Canada wants to know. It sounds like Jack might be a teacher. Um, SeaWorld seems to have resources for educators. What are they? Well, Jack, we have quite a few resources. In fact, you can go to SeaWorld.com and download the entire Killer Whales Up Close book. That's our educational killer whale show. Um, you can download the entire book and learn all the factoids we've uh, We've given uh, our part guests about the animals and also see all the sources uh, that we've citing about these factoids and research projects. Um, you can go to SeaWorld.org. Folks, write that down. SeaWorld.org and get animal information books, get animal bites, uh, learn more about conservation, more learn about rescue. There's teacher packets there uh, that you can download all the way in Canada uh, and you can, teach, uh, you can show that to your students. We also do something here at SeaWorld San Antonio called SeaWorld Live. 
uh, you can actually schedule through our education department, um, which, by the way, the number is on your screen right now. I'm just kidding. How many of you looked at your screen? Uh, 210-523-3608. You can call the SeaWorld San Antonio Education Department and schedule a Skype for you and your class, no matter where you are. I've Skyped with uh, young, young people in the UK. I've Skyped with people uh, in Canada and on the West Coast, on the East Coast, all over the world. Um, and it's cool because we can talk about the animals right there on Skype, have a dolphin in the Skype. We can talk about their ecology, their conservation, their rescue. And again, we can't bring uh, every, every child and every family in the United States can't make it to SeaWorld. So if you're out there in the middle of nowhere, Montana, and you're tired of seeing mountains every day, you can Skype your class in with SeaWorld. And we'll talk about killer whale conservation. We'll talk about sea lions. We'll talk about whatever your curriculum is. That's something neat that the park does to bring the science, the rescue, and the conservation to you, no matter where you are. Just because of where you live doesn't mean the conservation, the rescue, and all the animal info can't come and make its way to your shores. I love that SeaWorld not only educates people in the park, but also that you guys give so many resources to educators so that they can educate those tiny minds, those little people to really understand some really important facts and to inspire them um, just in their own classrooms. So thank you, Jack, for that question. And last but not least, we have a question from Tyler from Australia. And Tyler wants to know, what's the conservation fund and what does it do? Tyler, you're my new favorite friend, or should I say mate? Uh, Tyler, that is a great question. I love the SeaWorld Bush Gardens Conservation Fund. I've been a Conservation Fund ambassador for such a long time now. I've traveled the world for the Conservation Fund. I love this organization. The Conservation Fund was started in 2003 as a way for our park guests to give back to global conservation efforts. I mean, who cares about the painted dog in Zimbabwe? Who cares about the wallaby kangaroo rescue in your native land of Australia? Who cares about the uh, elephant uh, and rhino poaching situation? Who cares about the Humboldt penguin nesting on their poop, getting it destroyed, losing generations of Humboldt penguins uh, by the locals in South America? SeaWorld does. SeaWorld funds these conservation projects. So now park guests can donate money to the conservation fund, which is a nonprofit. And Danny, this is such a cool nonprofit. Because the way nonprofits work is, let's say you, I have a nonprofit. Uh, let's just call it Clay Conservation Network. You donate money to my nonprofit, and I say I'm going to give money to help the uh, white rhinos. Well, I have to pay my nonprofit staff. I have to pay for my, my marketing. I have to pay for my website. I have to pay for all the things that go into running a nonprofit. And then the rest of my remaining funds can go donated to the white rhinos. Well, SeaWorld eliminated all of that overhead cost completely. And SeaWorld said, you know what? We are going to take care of all the overhead for your nonprofit, SeaWorld Bush Gardens Conservation Fund. 100% of the proceeds donated to the SeaWorld Bush Gardens Conservation Fund will go back to animals in the natural environment. And these conservation projects uh, are happening all over the world. Um, the, the conservation fund is a way for, the, again, our park guests to give back. And what's really cool about it, all the overhead costs, like I just talked about, covered by the park. So when you give a dollar to the Seabrook Gardens Conservation Fund, that dollar goes to the Conservation Fund uh, project. And we, we fund hundreds of projects throughout the year. In fact, I get to be one of the people that reviews the projects and uh, gives ratings on these projects 
And then I get to read all the new projects that are selected or the returning. There have been some projects we've been funding since the early 90s that now folks, everyday folks can help to, uh, to give back to. So yes, the Conservation Fund is such a cool organization. It is helping animals all over the world. And it's something I just absolutely positively love. And I want you to know that if any of you out there go to swbg-conservation.org, uh, you can see our Conservation Fund in action. You can donate for yourself. But I have to give you the knowledge that 100% of whatever number you donate to the Conservation Fund will go to support the conservation projects all over the world because of you and because people come to our park. And different programs within our park also give money to the Conservation Fund. Certain tours, interactions, merchandise sales. And then SeaWorld, as the company, cuts a big check to the Conservation Fund each and every year to help continue the global conservation reach. So it really is a massive operation, a massive nonprofit, and uh, it is uh, an offshoot of our SeaWorld Park. And we're very, very excited to have that ability to help animals all over the world because of the people that visit our SeaWorld parks. I love that. And I love that when people stay involved, they're also, without maybe even knowing it, helping give to a purpose that's far greater than any of us could do alone. We started this earlier, Danny. It's a park with a purpose. That's the mission. Park to planet. See it here. Save it there. And that is the purpose. Rescue, conservation, touching the heart, get inspired about wildlife, celebrate, connect, and care about our natural world. That is what SeaWorld is. And we hope that each and every one of you, whether you're in Tokyo, whether you're in Perth, whether you're in Montana, whether you're in San Francisco, you experience the SeaWorld Park for yourself and help give back and learn about our natural world and its wonders. Wonderful. Now, Clay, before we let you go, can you tell us where everyone can keep up with all the ongoing happenings at SeaWorld, at any of the parks? At any of the parks, the best place to go to is social media. If you see it on our page, folks, it's true. <laughs> so please like SeaWorld Orlando, SeaWorld San Diego, and my base camp, SeaWorld San Antonio, on Facebook. You can follow all the parks on Instagram, at SeaWorld Orlando, at SeaWorld San Diego, at SeaWorld San Antonio on Instagram. You can follow SeaWorld San Antonio and uh, SeaWorld Orlando on Twitter, at SeaWorld and at SeaWorld Texas. Um, that's how you keep up to date. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channels. That's the best way to get insider tips, learn about what's news coming to the park. Um, but ultimately, Danny, the best way to stay in the loop is by coming to the park, visiting it for yourself, signing up for our emails, and sitting in for the ride because every month there's something happening. Every day there's something happening. And it's not just our uh, rides and attractions coming, but it's a new rescue story. It's a new conservation initiative. It's a new partnership. It's a new day every day for uh, our animals and for our mission, uh, giving back to the natural world and its wonders. So, folks, I'll see you on social media. So excited. But while you're checking out all the CMO pages, Make sure you're subscribing to this podcast, Zookeeper's Voice, and you're following Zookeeper's Voice on social media because this young lady, folks, is doing amazing things to help wildlife all over the world and help zoos all over the world. So, Danny, it has been a pleasure to do two episodes of the Zookeeper's Voice with you right here on your podcast. Thank you so much, Clay. And before we let you go, where can people follow you on social media? Uh, the best place to follow me is on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at Clay Carbohall on Twitter. Twitter. 
that's the best place to keep up to date with me. Uh, for all you fans out there, I'd love to uh, love to communicate with you on Twitter. Um, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to speak with you. And uh, if you have any more questions, keep messaging Danny. She knows how to get a hold of me. Thank you so much, Clay, for coming on the Zookeeper's Voice again. We loved having you, and we loved having you for two straight episodes. What an awesome thing that you did, and we appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much, Danny. Everyone, be kind to one another, be kind to wildlife, and remember, conservation absolutely rules. This interview held such a special place in my heart. I know it did. Aside from growing up going to SeaWorld from when it opened up in 1988, I also got the chance to work at SeaWorld for almost uh, an entire decade. That's a really long time. It was a really long time. Special time in your life. It was a very special time in my life. And I'm really so proud of the time that I spent there and just all the work that SeaWorld does. And one of the things that I loved sharing was with my friends and family when I got to share those animals and experiences with them. And you got to come down and visit SeaWorld too. I did. I was really impressed with my first day at SeaWorld San Antonio and actually SeaWorld in general. I'd never been to the Orlando one or San Diego. Um, and, you know, I was really impressed walking in. The facilities were beautiful. You know, the, uh, the animals are really well cared for. I got to do some really cool interactions. The food was delicious. The rides were amazing, you know. I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend if you are in Orlando, if you're in San Antonio, if you're in San Diego, and maybe someday, like Clay was saying, in Abu Dhabi, yeah, <laughs> visit SeaWorld. Put it on the top of your list. Absolutely. Support SeaWorld's mission. And we here at the Zookeeper's Voice support SeaWorld's mission of rescue, conservation, and education. And we hope that our listeners do too. For those of you listening... Thanks so much for tuning in for our chat with Clay Carbajal. Please make sure you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And be sure to stay up to date with all the happenings here at The Zookeeper's Voice on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and thezookeepersvoice.com. For the past, present, and future of all animals, this has been The Zookeeper's Voice. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.